0: the revolution is in our healing. It's in being honest about the stuff that has been buried
1: Welcome to Let It Out. I'm your host, Katie Dalebout. Today's show with my guest, Salome, we talk about all sorts of things everything from depression, pivots in careers, being a highly sensitive person, and how you know if that's something that you are. Turns out I am. Ancestral wounds. We talk about trauma. We talk about the accessibility to wellness, having a hyper-awareness. We talk about self-care. We talk about what it was like for her to have one Black American parent and one Ethiopian parent. We talk about travel as therapy, Reiki. She's just this fantastic person and healer. We met through previous podcast guests. Sahar introduced us at The Wing And I just loved her. She's an intuitive spiritual counselor, a mental health and holistic healing practitioner, healing justice advocate. She's a doula, certified Reiki master, living in Brooklyn. And I just really enjoyed this conversation and I want to get to it as quickly as possible. So stick around to the end. I'll give you my likes and learns this week. And I'm really grateful that you're listening. If you like this episode, share it and I'll talk to you guys at the end of the episode. This episode is brought to you in part by Vertruvi. Vertruvi makes the most beautiful essential oil diffuser I've ever seen in my life and they make the best essential oils these custom blends that I love I've been using grapefruit and lemon and tea tree which is just a blend I made up myself but they have blends that you can buy and I've been diffusing it every night I shut the door to my bedroom while I'm getting ready for bed in the bathroom then I come back into my bedroom and it smells amazing. I think you guys would really like Vertruvi and I would love for you to try them. It supports the podcast and it supports yourself and your own self-care and your own wellness. I really enjoy my Vertruvi diffuser and I think you will like yours too. To get 20% off your first order at Vertruvi, use the code Out at checkout. That's It Out for 20% off your order. I really love them. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So tell me about yourself. What were you, where are you from? What were you like as a kid? Tell me everything.
0: (laughs) Um, I'm from Los Angeles and uh, I also, my father is from Ethiopia. Okay. So I feel like, you know, I kind of have two homes. Yeah. More than that, but those are my two main homes. As a kid, I was just super outgoing. I love to make people smile and... (laughs) it's interesting because my mom and I realized later that that kind of fed into me being, like, a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And I had to just do a lot of, like, unlearning and, you know, self-caring and, and and shifting that. But she always tells me that it started from when I was younger. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have three sisters, yeah. Okay. And where do you fall in the— uh, I am the second from the oldest, but I only have one sister. We have the same mom and dad, so— okay. I mean, they're all my sisters, but yeah. in the house, I was the oldest.
1: <laughs> so you had you mostly grew up in Los Angeles? Yeah. But you had family in Ethiopia, too. So did you go back and forth between the two places often?
0: Yeah. More so as I um, got a little older, and I lived there as an adult as well. But Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you, what, what, what did you want to be
0: when you grew up as a kid? Do you remember? When I was small, I wanted to be a pediatrician. I feel like that's such a common thing <laughs> for kids. And yeah, that changed. When I was 14, I started volunteering with uh, foster kids. Like they were abused and neglected kids. So from that moment, I feel like I was like, I feel like I came here to help people and Mm. like balance out, you know, just issues of um, inequity. And I was like, this is just, just not fair. And like so many people have things and then some people don't have things and some people have you know, are suffering, and some people are not. And I just always felt like drawn to doing something about um, the imbalances in the world. Yeah. So,
1: where do you think you came? That came from? Was that something that your parents? What did your parents do? Is that something that? Yeah. They well, my mom was
0: actually a lawyer, an advocate for those children. So I would volunteer oh, wow. at the arts program, and it just never left me. Like I always remember it, and she's still doing that work. You know. 25 years later so that hit me yeah so then
1: you said you so what did you do after you grew up you went to Ethiopia is that where you studied
0: no I went to Ethiopia I lived there as an adult like I worked there and lived there late in my late 20s and you know I visited off and on for the last I guess 20 years but yeah what were you doing there uh that time I was um working for UNICEF so, yeah, that was after grad school and, you know, working in the States for a yeah. little bit. And that was my first overseas, actually my second overseas job. So, so where did you go to school and what did you study? So for undergrad, I went to Syracuse. Okay. And at first I was studying marketing and music industry. Mm-hmm. And it was like so out of alignment with who I felt like I was emerging into. <laughs> and so I was like, what am I doing? So How I started, did you choose Syracuse, being so far from? Uh, I wanted to go far. Like, yeah. I'm a, I, that was the first time I realized I'm a traveler. Like, mm. I just, you know, been all over the world. And that was, like, the furthest I had been from home. And I was, like, you know, something yeah. totally different. I ended up not finishing at Syracuse. And I took a year off. And I went to South America. And I started working at this refugee agency in L.A. And uh, then I just got more clarity on, like, my purpose in terms of helping folks, so, yeah, it's kind of like I got away from it for a little bit when I, when I was studying. And I was like, this is not in alignment with me. And then I went to UCLA and finished my um, undergraduate degree in international development studies. And then for grad school went to Columbia and did um, forced migration and health. Oh, wow. A public health, master's in public health. Yeah. So it's exciting.
1: After school, what was your what was your next step? What it is that when you went to Ethiopia and worked with UNICEF?
0: No. Right after that. I went back to L.A. I was in community health work, did some more international travel. And ugh, I can't hear it. It's so long ago now. <laughs> and then worked with a couple organizations in L.A. and then I went to Ethiopia. And then I went to Haiti and then back to L.A. then I went to Panama. So I was just kind of like. So you
1: traveled a ton.
0: Oh, yeah. I traveled a lot. And then then I got into what I'm doing now about probably six or seven years ago in the healing work. So that's a. So how did you, how did you, yeah, bring us up to the present. So
1: how, what was the trajectory from everything you studied doing your, and getting into
0: healing work? What was the? So it's funny because I've been writing about this a lot and like, I don't, a lot of people that I know that are my peers and friends and other practitioners, like, It's not necessarily a matter of like how we got into it. It's like it got into us, like to not sound super corny, but I struggled deeply with depression for many years and I was just kind of suffering in a lot of ways, even though I'm like, you know, bouncing around the world, doing all this amazing work, helping people, but the nature of what I was experiencing, I could hide it because it would like fluctuate, but I was in a lot of pain and my my actual pain that i experienced is what led me into doing healing work because i sought out quote unquote alternative means to heal you know i was given medication and all this stuff and i was just like ah, this is not this is not for my spirit and it was just very loudly communicated in different ways that there was another path for me and originally when i sat with someone who pretty much in the position I'm in now. And they reflected to me like, you're going through all this because you're a healer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they said, your pain is actually has come for a reason and it's going to lead you to helping other people. And I'm like, yeah, yesterday I just didn't even want to be alive. You know, like it was just kind of like how, but that's literally what happened. And the journey took me so deep into myself and into the spiritual realm and Um, I basically just, you know, the whole like soul death and rebirth, like multiple times and emerged into the walk I have now. So I'm like, you know, there are times when I just get emotional and I start crying. I'm like, wow, like I went through all that for a reason. And I went through a process of um, piecing together a program, quote unquote, for myself after uh, I realized that the other way wasn't going to work for me so the other way being like the conventional sort of like conventional medicine so did you go on antidepressants yep for a short time uh and then i i was guided to basically read stories about people who had done their healing but like deep healing like really transmuting the wounds and not just like covering it and coping with it yeah um how did you find those stories and how did you find your that original healer I actually was working with a few people. Everything kind of came to a head for me when I was in Haiti. I was working, <laughs> like, I was directing a department that was like two departments in one. And I was just, it was like burnout central, you know, 17-hour work days under all this pressure after the earthquake. And it was just, it was a beautiful... Was this right after the earthquake that yeah. you were there? Okay. It was a beautiful experience to this day, like still magical. Haiti's, there's no words to describe it, but it was like you have to go you know so i basically i went home and you know grateful for my mother who said you know what we're go- you're going to heal and i just i was guided to start reading online you know there are many things that affect our mental health our spiritual emotional our physical or energetic ancestral health like it's all connected you know from what we consume to the people in our who are close to us you know totally. it's just there were so many things that i wasn't mindful of and I started to realize that the more I did certain things, and the more I didn't do other things, I started to feel balanced and whole. Now it doesn't mean that like I don't still have moments or days, but like I I always use the word transmute. <laughs> but yeah, like what I, do you mean by that? I alchemize how I felt and what I was carrying, and the pain and the thoughts and all the it's it's no longer present. So I, I alchemized it. Like I shifted it into something else. So I had to make a new relationship with it and realize that it was an extension of me and I had to turn it into something else. So I turned it into my power and found my light and things like that. I mean, and this was a a longer process that I'm just like, you know, (laughs) breezing through. But either way, the heaviness and all the things that I felt, the darkness, it's not with me in that way. So... And that, I have that sort so many of- questions. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> and I what, hope I'm able to, like, explain no, it clearly. No, this is great. So, what I
1: want to know what some of those things that you did were, yeah. specifically. And then also, so I'm someone, I have depression. I find that it it sometimes is a gentle hum, even when situations in my life are good. Mm-hmm. I also have situational depression. So, when mm-hmm. things are hard, it's really hard. And so, I want to know you know, what did, let's start there. What does depression feel like for you? Yeah. Like when it, and then how do you pivot and what were some of those tools? So what did, but yeah, tell us what was going on in your life when you were in Haiti. Was it just kind of the overwhelm of the, of your career that really brought it on? Or was it something that was a hum in your life
0: before that too? Yeah, no, it was with me for about 10 years. So I was basically, I was diagnosed with bipolar Mm one, which is the quote unquote mild version of bipolar disorder the what version the mild version, mild so, version so there's yeah. two versions so
1: yes so you have periods of intense depression and then
0: kind of anxiety on the other yeah. end with like I don't I now same. but that this is how I was okay. experiencing life for so long yeah so one of the one of the things I feel like I've been brought here to do as well and I'll I'll explain a little more about your question yeah there's a there's a narrative that I believed too for a long time mm-hmm. that like Whatever I was feeling, that I was always going to feel it. And I had to learn how to live with it and manage it. So what I was feeling for 10 years, I don't feel now. I have moments of, I feel sad. I feel low. I'm like, I'm crying. But it was a constant, you know, the hopeless. Dread. I don't want to be alive. Why am I here? What's the point? I'm in a ball on the floor crying. It comes out of nowhere. Yes, destroyed my life. (laughs) Yeah, like nothing has happened. But what I started to realize is that there are many things that are, were connected to it. So like, for example, there are people who I work with now who are highly sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. Or are identified as an empath. And sometimes the things that we're experiencing and carrying and how we're experiencing our emotional body is not even always ours. Sometimes we're carrying ancestral wounds. Sometimes it's our trauma being triggered. Sometimes it's like, I'm watching the news and Pakistan just had a tragic, you know, totally. and now I'm I'm feeling this way. Yeah. Sometimes there are actually imbalances that are chemically, chemically spiritual. There are so many, this is I think this is the part that clicked for me when I first started going to do the holistic route is that a lot of people don't talk about the spiritual nature of what is actually happening when you're having what we call depression. For me, for example, I was actually being like, sometimes there's like energetic and spiritual attachments that are happening on the other side. So a lot of times people who are are feeling like, oh my God, I'm crazy. I don't have control over my thoughts. Like sometimes there's actually an entity that is present. And I have, that was what I discovered was also a part of my journey and a lot of the people I work with were able to separate like what is actually happening? Yeah. Whose voice are you hearing? What kind of trauma is being stirred up right now? We also don't have to just hold our trauma forever. Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot of like, mm, there's an identification with it that I felt I realized I had. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm depressed. I have had trauma. I have been raped. I have my dad abandoned me. You know, all of these things were, I don't want to say armor, but they defined me yeah. subconsciously, mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize it, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, and I'm carrying things. A lot of us are carrying things from our lineage, too. So one of the people who first told me that was basically saying, in every family, there often is a person who has been chosen to help clear the lineage. All of us, you know, <laughs> from... I don't know. I mean, I just know particularly in my community, like, you know, black indigenous people of color. there's a lot of trauma that people have experienced, whether it's their families' immigrant, their families from the states. It's just, yeah, there's just a lot of unresolved trauma that's carried down. And so a lot of times people are holding it in their bodies
1: and subconsciously, not subconsciously, even aware
0: of this. sometimes it's the parents. like we hold our stuff for our parents sometimes. Sometimes it's the grandparents, the great-grandparents, and it's like, it can go far back. So part of what I've had to do over the last few years is even go even deeper into my own healing and be like, whoa, okay, there's more. And some of the stuff is not mine, but the lightness that happens when it's like, literally like pulled out, (laughs) just like, so how do you, how do you do that? (laughs) So many things that I did when I first started my healing journey, I started to do everything from like plant medicine to like ayahuasca mm-hmm. you know energy medicine reiki which i'm doing now for other people spiritual counseling acupuncture it's all of it right and then there was like so this is when you got back from Haiti you're in LA so I want to know a little bit
1: more about that so you come back your mom is a lawyer Mm -hmm. so is she into you're in LA so I guess it's it's kind of people are open to this sort of thing but did you grow up into like Reiki and acupuncture and holistic things
0: no not particularly I mean we had like open-minded you know I started going to Agape in LA I don't know if you heard about it when I was a teenager so there was definitely that like that that Spiritual um, science of mind, love, attraction. Name, uh, Michael Beckwith. Yeah, I love. He has the same publisher as me. I think oh yeah, show- I think he's, he's so so like cool. one of my godfathers. He's so oh great. my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like his stuff. So we had that definitely for you know in terms of our our understanding of our awareness of yeah. our connection to the all. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then there were so many aspects to it. So it was like, what you know, what's my connection to nature? What is what am I putting into my body? I started to realize there were specific things for almost everyone that food is so crucial to like your mental and emotional well-being. But now more people are talking about it back then it was not talked about a lot. How long ago was this? About 12 years? Okay. I mean people were talking about it but it wasn't like So your mom was
1: encouraging you when you came back from Haiti you said she was encouraging you to like heal. She knew you were she could like see that you were in kind of a dark
0: place. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I had to I had to just be honest and like start to show people my pain. So I I would always say like healing doesn't happen in isolation. When I started to get on this rhythm of like what I'm eating, get off social media, you know, meditate. I have to exercise. I have to do these practices. I have to do this spiritual work. I have to do this alternative medicine work. I had to do so much. I needed support, you know. I had to set these boundaries. I had to cut toxic energies out of my life. I had to, you know, just so many aspects. So I had to like communicate that to the people close to me. I needed, I needed accountability. So all of that eventually got me to the point of feeling the way I do now. Now, mind you, there are layers, like once you start to heal, right? So after that, I realized, oh, there was even more work I had to do, but the depression, the presence of it, it wasn't there anymore. So I'm working with people now in my, this program that I created Maybe like four years ago, and I'm starting to people are just in awe that they're actually inside of a lot of work. It takes work, it takes time, it takes frustration. You know what I mean? Like it's not an it's not an easy process, but to see people actually see that they can actually heal the things they've been dealing holding since some of them were teenagers. And they're like, wow, like I didn't realize I could feel. Free from this like constant, dull, numbing thing. And so you get into a rhythm and everybody has different practices that work for them. Here's the other thing. Yeah, I always tell people, we're not doing this stuff so you can heal. That's one part. It's also so that you can just maintain your peace throughout this life. Because life is crazy. Mm-hmm. Tragedy comes, you know, divorces happen, you know, things things happen in life. And it's not, this is not like, we're we're aiming to just be happy all the time because no one is, right? Like right. nothing's perfect, but it's like, can we play a role in like how we experience this life and how we feel? And, you know, one of my, my biggest philosophies in all of this is like whenever there is pain and there's something that is challenging, it's trying to communicate something to us, right? Like there's a message. Sometimes it's as simple as like, let's try to figure out why you're here on the earth, you know? sometimes it's like I don't there's no purpose but if you haven't discovered your purpose it can feel like the end right like it's like I remember experiencing it like that
1: so So let's go back to the time so you're you come back from Haiti you're starting on this (laughs) this healing journey if you Mm -hmm. will and you're trying lots of different things and you get the support from your family and your mom and so is that the time did you go into it thinking you were going to become a Reiki master and do healing work for other people? Or were you just trying to heal yourself? Yeah. And then what were you doing for work (laughs) at that time to support yourself?
0: I was doing like part-time contracting with like organizations I had worked Mm -hmm. with before. What I feel like my reason for being able to not be in my full-time role was for me to create something. I didn't know this at first, but now to create something to help other people obviously manage it while they're still living there, you know people are still working and going to school and grad school and different things. But at that time, I was blessed to be able to have a little bit of an opportunity to not have to like be in like Mm full-time hustle mode. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that. So when did
1: you decide that you wanted to take what you were learning and help other people?
0: My very first attunement to Reiki level one, which is like for self-healing, I did it I think in 2000, it was right before I went to Haiti. So I had this thing, but I wasn't actually fully using it on myself. (laughs) And then I think maybe in like 2013 is when I went to do like the second level. I, I can't actually remember exactly how it happened, but something like pulled me towards that. And I think I have had certain abilities before and just wasn't able to like use them just because I was inside of my own you know struggles and that's also a really common path that a lot of people have when they're helping other people it's like I have these abilities but I don't know how to I have to take care of myself right now like I can't think about you know helping other people and then I did I started practicing and I was just like wow this is I feel like this is my path you know like the other thing I was doing, I think helping people felt, I felt a little bit distant from them. Like I wanted to like connect with people on a closer, deeper level and yeah, just like have a different sort of yeah connection. So what is the work that you do
1: now? You're, you're a Reiki master and... You talk about energy medicine, but how what is that exactly, and how what is a session with you like? What is the work you actually do with, with your people? clients? Well, yeah.
0: well first, i'll I'll just talk briefly about the, how I got into doing the program. Yeah. So one of my clients, when I was in New York, so my sessions are it's energy medicine, and then there's a deep like spiritual counseling component. Okay, And coaching as well. So it's like all of this stuff. It's not just like, come and get Reiki. One of my clients that I had been seeing for maybe a few sessions just happened to ask me, like they were having just some ongoing lifelong depression that was really, really strong for them. And they asked me if I had anything, you know, any tools and practices and resources and sort of like a comprehensive way of supporting them on an ongoing basis. And I remember because, and I was like, hmm, you know, I thought about it and I was like, I do. I have this thing that I did with myself. You know what I mean? So it kind of just like pulled it all together. It was a very organic process. I didn't, yeah, it just kind of happened. And so I started piecing something together for them. And then I put this description on my website and I just spoke from my heart. You know, I didn't have like an editor or just, I just said, here's my journey. How it was inspired and here's what I'm offering and maybe like a few weeks later someone found it and sent a message and they were like i'm crying reading this this is what i feel like i've been needing um cuz it touches on all these components to healing what are those components all the the ones i was mentioning like okay. the emotional spiritual physical mental ancestral the practices the you know the environment the just all the different things i have many words on my website to describe <laughs> what the yeah. program is but That pretty much sparked the actual program. And I obviously have been expanding it and adapting it over time. And it's grown in terms of people referring friends or finding it. And the stories of transformation are like so inspiring because I don't, I think people, again, didn't think it was possible. So part of what I want to do going forward is share more about it share how it's helped people and what is possible because that's what inspired me, right? On my yeah. journey.
1: So let's talk more about the ancestral wounding, I guess, and how to how to heal that. So maybe for people listening, we could give them some tools that you would give to your clients so people listening could take away something even mm. from this conversation. Yeah. So first maybe go into what that is and how it affects <laughs> our mental life. How much time do we have? We have a a while. (laughs) Um,
0: So what is it? Kind of what I was touching on before, we are, we're not alone. Like we're not walking here by ourselves, right? Like we come from a whole lineage and there are, there are practices that, you know, Reiki included has, can open people up to connecting with their ancestors. So different things resonate for different people. Sometimes, like I said, people will have visits and messages from their ancestors in the session. Sometimes people will go to get like a specific ancestral reading from someone. Sometimes it's plant medicine where it can come through. Sometimes it's setting up an ancestral altar and it can be as simple as like you have a table, a cup of water, a picture or names, flower, a little trinket, anything that is is, um, resonant. It doesn't have to be elaborate and it's just communicating and asking trying to have that connection but i think that the in terms of the healing aspect the more i talk to people and work with them to connect with their own intuition mm-hmm. this information can open up for them as well so they they know family patterns you know sometimes it doesn't connect right away but we'll work more and it's like oh yeah, this is actually coming from my mom and my mom's side because this is, you know I've noticed this in terms of how people relate to each other or treat each other or abu- abuse, you know, different things like that. And it's uh, it's deep work. I've seen it be an in for my own self. It's not easy. You know, I'm yeah. not going to sit here on a microphone and say, Oh, yeah, it's just a breeze. Right. But you know, sometimes it's um there's past life regression work that people do. And you can you know, basically travel back into your own past life and then the ancestors are present. There, There's many different ways, but I think at the base, something that if people can either do energy work with someone, plant medicine, like ayahuasca, with a shaman, <laughs> like an actual shaman, and maybe setting up an altar and opening up the communication like that, those are three just off the top ways that... Can you tell
1: a little bit about your experience and how in connecting with your and healing those ancestral wounds and what that looked like for you as an Uh, example?
0: Um, it's so many, I mean, it's, and this is like, again, this is something that can, it happens over time, right? I'm not, I didn't just connect with my ancestors and heal everything in like a very short period of time. So I definitely don't want to simplify, but my experience I think was first having an awareness of what my family pattern was. Do you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes it's like communicating with family directly and saying, what is something that either you're observing it and know it already, or you're actually asking questions.
1: So, like when you were saying how one person can kind of heal the whole lineage yeah. back, can you talk more about that? Cause that's something I have heard before. Like, for instance, like I kind of come from like a sea of women not being confident mm, or yeah. eating disorders and you yeah. know all of these things I see yeah. in my mom and in my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure further back than that. Right. But now I'm the one that's aware. I have the self-awareness. So yeah. how do I, you know, heal that pattern that feels so deeply ingrained in me?
0: Yeah. I think part of the, I talk, I mean, energy, I think energy medicine helps to disconnect from basically like it's stored inside of you. Right. So if it's happened in all of your and the, the pattern is in your lineage It's stored inside of you Like a computer program it's, Yeah, it's literally just like tucked in there So I, in doing the work that I do I can feel it inside of people And then they are, act. sometimes it activates for them And they're like, "Whoa!" Oh, like I have been holding this I'm feeling it leave That's how it's happened for me too over time And the lineage piece, so here's the key yeah. Lineage goes backwards and forwards, right? So are we responsible for going all the way back and, and healing everything from the past? Maybe not. <laughs> that's a, that is like, let me just put the Empire State Building on my head. You know what right. I mean? Like, that's crazy. But I know that like, we can shift. Maybe there are people in our lineage that are still alive and we, we are... The example, right? Like, we can do energy work on the behalf of the line, or we can have our presence and our energy shift what people do. We can, for example, if I, I have like a, a pattern of abuse in my mom's side and going back, and like we're stopping that by setting our boundaries, or we're saying, like, you know, this is not okay. You know what I'm saying? It's sometimes it's literally that. And I have seen that happen with my clients. It's like, oh, this has been this way. And now I'm speaking up on it i'm shifting where everyone's quiet i'm speaking up you know yeah. everyone's like i'm allowing i'm setting a boundary sometimes it's as practical as that you know yeah. it's not always like ooh, let me go deep into totally. it's that practical and then going forward though is where we shift it as well so we we shift like what we stand for what we allow like how we live you know what i mean how we yeah. clear our wombs to like hold babies that will not inherit this cellular memory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know if, if on that a makes practical s- level, we've talked about this on the podcast before with our parents of how
1: I've seen this where, you know, let's say your parent doesn't believe in something or de- like for me, an example mm-hmm. of like my mom didn't think that like someone from the Midwest could move to New York. Like didn't think that was possible. Right. But then she loves me and mm-hmm. saw me do it. And right. so she now has changed her belief exactly. because I wasn't but if it was just like someone she didn't know and did that she wouldn't have changed her belief. Yeah. She has to so it's like that's a really silly example but something like heavier and deeper if they love you they could change the way that they see something. And so it doesn't make it any easier for you to do it because you don't have the expanders example, no. example to you're
0: the, you're the you have to you're the be example. the example to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not easy, right? Like right. I it's like sometimes I'm like what kind of journey did I, this soul, choose? You know, yeah. and like, and at some point surrendering it to it's like, okay, this is what we chose, and this is who we are, and there's a there's amazing aspects to it too, right? It's like, wow, like, I think a, I'm 39. I have a lot of people in my generation that you look like you're 20. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you are like, How do you? But a lot of people are. Committed to doing this kind of work. Like, we're like, wow, we came to Earth at an interesting time. Because that's another thing. Compassion, compassion, compassion for our, our grandparents and our parents and the great-grandparents that didn't necessarily always have access to all the stuff we have access to, right? Like, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, self-care tools, Google. Like, what? <laughs> like, this right. is it's very commonplace. Now, I mean, even when I was a teenager, this wasn't around. We were not getting this kind of information. So... Yeah. You know I think like Just having the compassion For like What they were exposed to And what they were And even what they experienced Or even the ease to living Like thinking of my New York example Of like
1: Maybe 20 years ago, I couldn't have moved here because now I can use my map and I can like use my phone to figure out the subway. And 20 years ago, maybe I wouldn't have been able to do it. You know, I don't know how I would get around without my phone.
0: Exactly. And I have, you know, my ancestors also had experiences that were really difficult, you know, that I don't have. It's a very different walk. I mean, even my grand, I say my ancestors, my grandparents too, that are still living, you know, like they were not, the U.S. is still jacked up in a lot of ways, but like there was a lot of stuff, you know, that barred people from even being like human beings. So it's like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like we are definitely in a interesting time. Things are shifting. All the truths are coming out, you know, like purging galore. I love it. It's hard, but this is how the healing happens, you know? So it's nice to be here now. And What do you think we need during this time, this time that we're in
1: politically and socially to... Heal and help the the world be more connected. What do you think that, that we can do?
0: <laughs> I mean, there's a million things, but I know. You know, for me, I actually cause I used to be in like political movement spaces and I keep feeling now like the revolution is in our healing. It's in being honest about the stuff that has been buried. That's why even when Trump got elected, like I can see things sometimes, and I was like, this is actually going to be good. As hard as it is for people, this is how the shit is going to come up and come out. You know, So for me, it's like, we got to deal with the hard stuff head on. That is how we, I feel like that's where the revolution, the actual change is going to be. Like have the hard conversations, be honest about our pain. Goodness gracious. I, <laughs> I just feel like if more people were honest about their pain, all, everyone, all the people, then what kind of world would this be, you know? We're just, I just feel like the accustomed way of just like pretending you're okay or pushing it down or pretending on social media, whatever it is, it's like, and people working on their own stuff, I think is really gonna be the, the thing, like if everyone actually sat and did their inner work. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like that,
1: this podcast is called Let It Out. My book is called Let It Out because I believe when we push things down, it makes us, Unhappy and sicker and more disconnected. And I think I've had like a really hard winter emotionally, mm-hmm. and it's forced me to be really honest with everyone because I just haven't been able to put on the masks that I yeah. used to be really good at putting on. Mm-hmm. And it's made me closer with people. Yeah. And it's that I think that vulnerability and that realness makes us more connected, which mm-hmm. looking at that at that's a micro level, but like from the macro level, I think mm-hmm. the more real we are, the more we can actually connect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The facade, I feel like the facades coming down is, is where like <laughs> the true connecting yeah. is. I understand why people do it as well. You know, it's like a protection or I think people don't feel fully safe, you know, to let go because people can be unkind, you know, people can be mean. And I think that's where having the awareness of self and like, it's okay to like let things go. It's okay to like not do certain things that you once did that might've felt familiar. If it's contributing to like not feeling good, then you don't have to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's more, obviously there are things we don't have control over, but I, I think that one of the things this journey has taught me is that we have more agency over how we feel than we realize. For example, I left New York for a little bit recently and came back. I can't get on the subway a lot because it just doesn't feel good for me. So I had to, I brought my car out here and I know that that's a privilege, but I was like, I can't move back to New York without this. Cause I can't be on the subway all the time, you know? So if someone, for example, might be affected by like the winter and like, it really affects their moods, then there might have to be some kind of remixing going on. Or it's like you fill your house with plants and you, you know, to get some of that other energy going. I think that because there are those of those of us who have access to certain things, like we can, we can use it to our advantage and mm-hmm. do what we can to feel better, so.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting how places affect us. I've been thinking about that a lot with New York mm-hmm. in particular of there's so much that I love about New York, but I don't know if it loves me.
0: Mm, like yeah. I don't
1: know, you know, yeah. the amount of choice and the amount of the energy of the city. Yeah. So when did you move here and, and when did you leave? And what are your thoughts on New York energetically?
0: <laughs> oh, New York. <laughs> People are always laughing at me my relationship to New York. I first moved here for New York City for grad school. Right. And I left as soon as I graduated because I was like, same. I love this city. So many great things, but I cannot deal. And when I was in grad school here, I was in the... Thick of my my struggle, and it was just so hard. I was like, oh, I can't do it. So I left in 2007, and then love brought me back here in 2014. And the relationship with the city was a little different. Certain things about it I love, like community and opportunity and all of that jazz. I also kept feeling like, as a highly sensitive person. I still was trying to figure out how to be here and not be affected by just the city itself, you know? So I came back again for another amazing work opportunity. <laughs> so I was like, it keeps filling me back. I have to learn how to be with it, you know. I think that the tools I have developed in terms of how to be in spaces with a lot of different energies and not have it affect me has has worked, but I still want to keep it at a minimum. Yeah. Like I can't just be in it like all the time because you know, I like have to honor that
1: moving here and not necessarily being here full time.
0: Is that what you I'm mean? here full time? But I mean, just like there are certain aspects and, and areas of the city. There's just like a lot of people and a lot of energy and sometimes not like the, you know, sometimes it's heavy. So you just have to be careful. You know, I tell people all the time, like, if you are an actual empath mm-hmm. and you are a highly sensitive person, You don't have to just suffer either. Like, oh, I just, I'm going to take everything on. I'm going to feel everyone's pain. Like, no, we can, there are actually things that we can do, but we still have to be mindful. You know, we have to honor, like, (laughs) honor what we're feeling. You mentioned that a
1: couple of times, being an empath and highly sensitive person. How, how do you know if you're a highly sensitive person? Is it rare? How, like, I don't really know much about it. And then I want to learn how to navigate life. That's interesting. (laughs) Because I feel
0: like, you might be, yeah, sensitive person. Yeah, tell me more. Diagnosed <laughs> from me. what you're you know? I'm not diagnosed. <laughs> it's just more like intuition, but I don't want. I'm not diagnosed.
1: Okay. Well, t- well, tell me what. How would I know if I am one?
0: Okay, so I was actually talking about this with a friend the other day. There's a spectrum, I guess, okay. of like what it could look like. I don't want to say levels, but anyway, yeah, I can't think of the actual concept. But so if you're if you're in a space, for example, and you find yourself being your mood has been affected by what is happening. You might be picking up on some pain or some sadness that isn't yours and you're clear that it's not yours. You're like really sensitive. Like if you're reading something, for example. So I always tell people, monitor your media intake if you're really sensitive because you can be reading about anything actually that is like not pleasant and you can, it like enters you. Like you start to feel as if it's happening to you. I totally have that.
1: Yeah. So that that's just like well, some example. I also but it's have, like tell me if this is if something if I listen to or read something on the other end, something funny or something mm-hmm. that makes me feel good or have or have a conversation. I I actually notice this more the other direction for me. Like mm-hmm. if I'm around someone I really love who's a really good person mm-hmm. in my life, I'll it'll totally change my mood. I'll leave that.
0: Oh, you're picking up on their Yeah, good energy. Mm -hmm. Is that also
1: a sign of being highly sensitive?
0: Yeah, you're basically like consuming like what what you're experiencing. Yeah. I mean, there are many things I think like being able to see things before they happen, being able to like feel the intention of someone like you just know like, oh, okay, this this isn't good, you know, just, it's just having like a hyper awareness, yeah. you know, sound, light. Oh, I totally have. Sound, I'm that. like the most sensitive ears in the yeah. world and not being able to look at violence or, and then I think being emotional. I mean, a lot of people are emotional, but like, if you look at something and then you just start crying or, you know,
1: yeah, it's all of that. So how do you manage that? What are your, what are your tools for like navigating the world as one of these types of people?
0: Meditation. Okay. What kind of meditation? I'm a big advocate for meditation. <laughs> yeah. There are many kinds of meditation. One of the things I do with my clients is, especially if someone's not a meditator, quote unquote, you know, the whole like, you have to be sitting in lotus position with your, you know, mum, it's like, that's one way, you know, right. there's specific music frequencies that you can listen to. There's some guided meditations. There's sometimes just paying attention to your breathing, you can meditate walking, you can meditate on the train, just sitting there, closing your eyes and being still. Uh, so it, it comes in, you know, it, I think the the important thing is to embrace, discover and embrace what works yeah. for you. Yeah. Because trying to do something like everyone else is doing is like counter totally. to what actual meditation is supposed to bring, which is just, you know, calm mind. So it's yeah. like, that's not helpful. So what were you
1: asking me? Oh, how do I deal with it? Yeah. What are some other tools for dealing with it?
0: Well, an actual action is like, once you become aware of how something is affecting you, as much as you can, don't do that thing. And it sounds like, well, duh, one plus one is two. But it's like, mm, it's some things are tempting. Some things are like reflexes, right? Yeah. For example, some people are very conditioned to watching the news. Right. And so they'll be like I'm watching the news, I'm watching the news, I'm watching the news. And if you're really sensitive, you don't realize that you're absorbing like what you're watching. Just I I don't watch the news. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know what's going on in the world. I have an awareness. I check every once in a while. I'm informed because that's the other thing. Well, don't you want to know? It's like I know I know what's happening and I know that it's going to probably keep happening. And so I I'm going to do what I can to contribute to the shifting in humanity, but continuing to consume and watch it is actually do nothing. And it's going to make me feel, you know, not well. It's a simple practice that I, I wish more people would just implement. Yeah. And the same for like just being on social media. Yeah. There are certain crystals that people use for protection. I know like black tourmaline is a good one. Like some people just like keep it in their pocket There are energetic boundaries you can set, like imagining there's like a light around you. This doesn't work for everyone, but some people find it to be useful. What do you do specifically? I do these. Yeah, I'll do these things. But I think after, I don't know, a couple of decades of understanding this about myself, really listening and responding to like what I need is key. I just keep going back to certain habits or relationships or certain things that are normalized for us can feel good. Yeah. But they're not always, you know, yeah. and I think and every day is different where you are in your cycle different. and the yes, seasons, exactly. all the things. So I, something I
1: always ask about on this podcast is morning and evening routines. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know what are maybe the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning and how does that affect the rest of your day? <laughs> and then the last first few things, things you do in the evening.
0: Oh, uh, it's so funny. This is when sometimes I feel a little bit of a hypocrite just to be honest, because I literally work with people to get into like rhythms with themselves and practices. And I have, I have a rhythm in the morning that I do most of the time, but I don't always honor it. And I can feel the difference. Same. <laughs> I'm just like,
1: see, <laughs> so what's your ideal morning then?
0: My ideal morning or like mor- more or just typical. Morning. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, um, I have to meditate every day, even if it's like five minutes, I will do that. So a meditation First thing when you get up First thing Even sometimes before I get up So I tell people You can meditate laying down Yeah <laughs> Like you don't have to You know so I meditate And I'll do like self Reiki A lot when I wake up And I always like to affirm the day So I'll give myself Loving affirmations What are some then- of your favorite affirmations? <laughs> Changes like all the time I don't even know Because sometimes it's like the day I'll, I'll affirm the day Like today This podcast for example I was like the podcast will be easeful and natural and comfortable and we'll just enjoy ourselves, you know? Work. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just kind of like speaking it out, you know, like what do I want to experience? So for example, like I am of a certain age and there's a certain programming that says like, I'm supposed to have certain things right now. So something I've been telling myself a lot lately is like, you're right on time. You are doing amazing work. Just keep trusting the journey. You know, something like that where I was just like, don't listen to the bullshit. Like, you know, like walk your unique path. Embrace your magic. You know, you're awesome. (laughs) You know, just sometimes they're really simple. But so after affirmations, what else do you do in the mornings and evenings? And I like to drink
1: water when I wake up before I do any Anything else? Same. I always drink a big cup of water
0: because I'm not that good at hydrating later. So I'm like, at least I got that in. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. You know what I found too as a trick for hydration? What? I don't know if it, if it will work for you, but like a water bottle that has like a straw thing. I should get one of those. It like makes me like, it makes drinking water fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I'm like, oh, throughout the day. Yeah. Because cups, like going like this all day, yeah, putting your head back. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that that's um, helpful to, enjoy the process of yeah. water and then every day i movement is really important and this is i think one of the things that i'm still trying to get into like a consistent rhythm with so i started doing like comedic yoga and like a home What's fitness uh, it's like a egyptian style yoga oh, cool. I've never yeah. heard of that. and then yeah and then a home fitness video and then you know i was doing capoeira for a while but i stopped but not every day, but yeah, that was my And movement. then you'll see clients during the day mm-hmm. and you're kind of... An admin. So, you know, I have my yeah. own business and I'm seeing... <laughs> I have to do like all of it. All the things. It's a lot. Yeah. And then
1: so having your own business, being an entrepreneur, being with people all day, how do you wind down and relax at the end of the day? What are like the last three things you do?
0: I also meditate before bed. I write a lot, actually. Like journaling? I type. Uh-huh. But journaling? Journaling, I have a lot of like downloads coming now. So sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's like there's messages that I have to share. <laughs> so I do yeah. a lot of writing. So you feel like you're pretty creative in the evenings? Yeah. it actually comes throughout the day. So if I'm, if something comes through, I'll just like put it on my phone mm-hmm. in the notes section. And I like to listen to, there's a lot of like videos on YouTube. Like, I don't know if you heard about like Abraham. Yeah. Yeah, Abraham Abraham or like what's going on with the Capricorns and when the Venus is in retrograde, you know, I just, I love getting those because they're, they're affirming and they're, I don't watch TV. So like, it's, you know, just like, oh, this is me looking at a screen for a little bit and not for too long, but (laughs) yeah. So those are some something. So, you recently had a
1: proposal approved by the Department of Health to do Reiki clinics and neighborhood health action centers. Can you talk about the importance of holistic healing in in communities
0: that don't normally have access to it? Yes. This is really exciting. There's a little bit of a delay with implementation, but the proposal was approved to through the Center for Health Equity to do Reiki and holistic healing clinics for communities in Brownsville, Harlem, and the Bronx. And for me, actually coming from like a public health background, none of this was like happening. (laughs) Like to be able to have people just have access to, because a, a lot of this, a lot of these things I have, there are communities, you know, communities of color, obviously, where people can access this, but there's a lot of people who aren't able to. And just knowing the impact that these have, these modalities have on people and their their healing, right? So like there's health and then there's like the healing. To me, this is amazing because it's like integrating the two and it's just bringing, I think, like the ancient practices to the people that once used them, basically. Like all of these things are very old, yeah. <laughs> very widespread and there's not, al- they're not alternative. So when I use that term, I use it in like quotations. Yeah. So it's really cool to be able to participate in that movement. Yeah, it feels like an extension of like being like an activist for me. You know, I'm just like yeah, like access, access, access. It's very widespread in certain places, and I just, I mean, you know, just like I said when I was 14, like equity, fairness. It's like the same thing. I'm still very much committed to that.
1: Well, I think wellness is right now having a moment in coming into the mainstream, but it's Mm. mostly. I I think it's pretty dangerous because it's another class system. It's right. really for, you know, like white women and sort of this, you know, fitness sort of a mindset. Right. And I feel like to bring it to communities where, you know, the cost is making it not accessible to mm-hmm. people and just not awareness and you know, like something that's alternative. Exactly. Right. Education. Yeah. So what sort of things do you think will need to happen to allow it to, you know, be more widespread.
0: This is a question I've been asked before yeah. <laughs> and I am like actually on a on an interview and I was trying to so one of the things for me in Brooklyn is pretty amazing because there are actually quite a bit of practitioners, people of color black like that are in communities like working with people. So for me it comes to having more people who are coming into their walk as healing practitioners Mm -hmm. reflecting the communities that they're in if that makes sense totally so I am actually doing trainings for people to learn Reiki specifically people who are called to do that whether it's like the level one is just for self-healing and friends and family and it's like the stories that people are sharing, like, Oh, I just helped my grandmother. And I, you know, my mom came over. She's never even heard of this, but I started working with her and she's like, I want to do that again. You know? So I'm like, Oh my gosh, like mission work, you know, like I'm so like, it gives me chills. I'm like, yes, this is how it is. Like, I think people who are already doing the work, like in whatever way, if you're like an herbalist or you're astrologist or you're, you know, I don't know, doula, midwife, like training people who look like us, you know, I'm very intentional in the classes that I'm doing. Yeah.
1: And you mentioned too, that a lot of these practices aren't al- are alternative, they're ancient. So is your work really steeped into your cultural background of Ethiopia and some of your other cultural upbringing? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting because I think it is. And for this work specifically, I I incorporate different things into it that are not what I originally learned, mm-hmm. but it's so it's like a fusion. Yeah. Um and interestingly enough though, I do have um plans to go back to Ethiopia and learn more indigenous practices, you know, outside of this. But yeah, I'm excited. But I was gonna say another thing I think that can help with the access is offering sliding scale for people, people of color, you know, whether if you're a white practitioner or 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 not, you know, I think that's where the access comes as well. You know, like sometimes we get a proposal to do that and sometimes we can just, I don't know, once a week offer. Yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a big question, but I have probably other ideas that I'll think of when I leave. here. Yeah.
1: Well, feel free to tell me. Yeah. (laughs) You've talked a little bit about having a parent from the continent of Africa and then another who is black American. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the nuances of that?
0: Well, <laughs> they're both such like, there's so much history and like strength and resiliency and beauty and magic in both places. So I think having been raised here, but then having felt this like pull to like learn more and be connected deeply to my Ethiopian culture. But there's also this like this interesting thing within the black community, which is, it's all black, right? Ethiopia is black, black America is black, Brazilian, whatever. It's all, we're all just like the, we call like the black or African diaspora. I guess I just wish that there was more harmony. And it seems like over time, there has been a little more uh, understanding of the experience of both but I remember having moments of just feeling like there's just like a deep misunderstanding (laughs) and like assumptions you know that people make about the other quote-unquote the other group but we're all family so it's kind of like you're like are you fighting with your family are you upset you know because it's a very different experience having ancestry in this country and all that comes with that as a black person you know and then having ancestry in Africa and then all that comes with that. So it's just like <laughs> I'm proud, though I'm really proud. Yeah, I have a lot of people often say, "Oh, you look, you know, Ethiopian," and I'm like, "Yes." And I have a my my mom is not Ethiopian, so I'll sometimes have them guess, and it's just like amazing. Where well, people go all over the world, and they're like, "Oh, um, Pakistan or Japan, Hawaii, you know, Brazil, Dominican," and then I say Black American, and they're like, "Oh," as <laughs> if I'm, and I'm like, "Do you know?" how much influence black American culture has had on the world and I mean I've traveled all over this world I have never not seen the influence wow you know what I mean so I'm just like yeah And Ethiopia has a rich deep culture and it's beautiful and so is this one you know so it's just interesting to like kind of be straddling like both you know and like have connections to like two different continents. And I don't know. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's that's cool. really interesting. Yeah. So
1: you've traveled a ton. What are your, what's your greatest lesson on traveling, travel
0: therapy even? like, How is it therapeutic? <sighs> well, first of all, it's humbling. <laughs> like you get to, you realize, I mean, I'm obviously speaking from someone who has come from the States and, and, you know, relative privilege. You get to see just like, the human like human connectedness of like all of us like so whether i've spoken a language or not of a place just being able to like connect with like the hearts of people and like people are so loving you know like they really want to like help you and like i don't know traveling has taught me more about myself and like what is actually important you know like i feel like a lot of things I don't know. Like, I just don't, I don't have like a bunch of shoes and, a you know, I'm just Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's water. Like I've been in places where I didn't have access to water all the time. And so recently I went somewhere here in the States and they're like, oh, my, the hot water is not working. And I'm like, it's okay. I can survive because people around the world in a lot of places don't have that. Let alone like hot water. It's like the water might not come on, you know, but once a week or in the electricity will go off. I think it's also taught me, we don't need much. <laughs> like I think being a nomad, too, like I don't have much stuff at all. I don't miss it. I don't need it. Like just the accumulation of material is like a very like Western consumerism thing. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need it. We have too much stuff. But I always tell people, if you can, travel by yourself, if you can, because you will engage with the place so differently. You will meet new people. It's so different. Like having, and I mean, I like traveling with people, some people, <laughs> but it, yeah, it's just if you can, just go, you know, you, I don't know how else to explain it, but like you, I think you just learn about yourself and the world in a different way than when you're with like a whole group of people.
1: Yeah, it's so true. What's your favorite place you've ever visited? <laughs> oh gosh.
0: Or a couple. It's a tie between Zambia, Zambia, Haiti, yeah, I think well, Ethiopia too. But like, I would say those three: Zambia, Ethiopia, and Haiti. I really love Peru, also, but I can't. Yeah, I can't pick one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, these are kind
1: of quick, fair questions. So just kind of say the first things that come to your mind. Okay. Greatest lesson on creativity.
0: Don't care what other people think.
1: Greatest lesson on self care, or f- some favorite self care practices that you haven't already mentioned. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I feel like I already mentioned everything. You, or just great, kind of greatest thoughts. lesson, yeah. On just kind of your thoughts
1: on self care and like where it is today, because I feel like it's mm. having another cultural moment, and I would love for you to just talk about that.
0: I guess the, in terms of self care, I think it doesn't always look like how we think it's gonna look, but I think have patience, having patience with yourself, and not trying to do something every day. <laughs> yeah, like. Um, it's okay if you do it four times a week or once a week, that. or you skip a yeah. week. Please, like it's we can ridiculous. be so hard on ourselves. Yeah. And I think
1: too now, self care is kind of being hijacked by consumerism mm-hmm. in this way that it's becoming this expensive thing, or it's becoming you know massages and yeah. getting your nails done, which you know those are lovely things. Yeah. But self care, I think, is like we were saying before, it's cultural, it's ancestral, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I was just reading this thing about how black women have had self-care as part of their, they're really the leaders with this and now it's almost being appropriated. Right. And I think that's really interesting and something that we should mm. all be aware of.
0: That's interesting because I, on the flip of that, a lot of our like black women mothers and grandmothers didn't always model that because they had to just like take care of everything and be, you know, and like suppress their pain. And so there's nuances to that, but. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah,
1: it's. I love what you said about not like being so hard on yourself and it's four times a week. Because I can be so dogmatic about things like yeah. I'm wrong or bad if I don't do you this don't practice do every day.
0: Oh my God, that's one of my favorite things to do with people like release the idea of every day. If you do it every day, great. But if you, if we're really trying to like get into a rhythm with like all these different areas, that's a lot of work to do and, and a lot of pressure, yes. especially if you're really, if you're just starting. When I do my program with my clients and we have a whole healing action plan and in different areas, it's like, where are the practices and the frequency? And it's like, one of these, some of these are going to start, well, they decide, but I'm like encouraging, maybe you do it once a week. Maybe twice a week. If you've never done it before and you go from like not at all to wanting to do it every day, you'll psych yourself out and you might totally. not actually do it at all. And then more frustration. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So yes. it's like free
1: yourself. Like Release the every day. Yeah. There's a mantra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You mentioned before, like you're really not in this place where you're feeling depression- consistently mm. but you do have you know bad moments where we all have bad days or mm-hmm. how, what are your practices for when you're having a bad day or a bad moment how do you pivot
0: oh my god I had one it was like a month ago where I was like so low I was like oh my god but but I, I, I spoke to myself first of all and I asked for my guides to join me <laughs> and I was like wait a minute so it was like this is going to pass so now I know that like, it doesn't last forever, right? It's going to pass. And I reminded myself of some things I needed to know in that moment. I cried. I'm like the biggest advocate for crying because crying, you there's actually property. You're actually releasing things. They've done studies, that you're crying and you're letting stuff go. So I cried. I talked to somebody. I always advocate for that. Like if you, you know, if you can like talk to somebody, I just took a nap, you know, just, I think you know, took a walk, like I did multiple things because it was a really rough day. And then I meditated, I wrote like these are all my like go-to's, yeah. you know, and then I felt better.
1: Was this brought on by a specific thing or just emotionally?
0: it might have been brought on by something but there's also a I'm you know I think also when you're really sensitive you're connected to like what's happening in the cosmos so in in these times and I'll go on social media and then I'll look at some post someone's like yo today was crazy there was a lot of stuff happening energetically and like 40,000 people are like, me too, me too, me too. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so I think that- feeling
1: less alone is really helpful. Yeah,
0: like realizing like if they're, I mean, this is all real stuff too. I think it sometimes can sound like BS, like, oh yeah, the cosmos. It's like, once you start to really pay attention to like what's happening with the planets and with our signs and with the signs of the planets, like (laughs) it actually, there's something that is going on that can impact this. So I think realizing- Oh, something was happening that's bigger than me And I'm tapping into it Also is like a form of like relief yeah. Like, oh, okay yeah, Okay, that's cool And every time something comes up Like something comes up to be released And I now I can catch what it was mm. Oh, I was feeling Okay, I just purged that Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Every single time that's what I do now I'm trying to like look and see What is it trying to communicate to me I'm not just being whipped around like I felt, like I used to be. Now it's like there's actual message information. It's like something's trying to get my attention and it happens like that. So I'm like, listen, oh, here, that. okay, I see. There we go.
1: Yeah. And then, you know. (laughs) What's your greatest lesson on relationships with other
0: people? Romantic relationships. (laughs) They come to help us expand and grow. You know, like reflecting back to us, whether that be like a beautiful thing or not (laughs) so beautiful. I think that Eckhart Tolle has this quote and I just I wish I could recall it now, but it's like something about like if I if I realize that relationships are here to make me conscious and not happy, then some like great way to round that up. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, ooh, it's true. I mean, that's how I feel. I think we have collectively had a lot of work to do around like attachment and unhealthy codependent stuff. And that was definitely a part of my, my path and my last connection. And it was amazing. I've really felt like I dealt with longstanding attachment stuff. And I was like, yeah, thank you for making me crazy. No, but like, you know, did that work and there, you know, it's a gift. I think we get to really see just how people, all of us, like, act in the name of our pain and like, like how, how to hold that for ourselves and each other, I feel like is a, is a practice that they, it helps us with. Totally.
1: We talk about body image always on this podcast. So have you ever struggled with body image and confidence and what do you do when you do and how do you, what's been helpful for you with that?
0: I haven't struggled with body image per se, but I have struggled with confidence. I don't know if are you connecting the two or separate?
1: Yeah, they will Then talk about confidence. What <laughs> to me, you're someone who's so beautiful and confident, just the little that I know you.
0: Oh, Is it have you always been that way? And what helps you with that? No way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I was no, I wasn't always well, I went it went up and down, uh-huh. it went through like these waves through life. When I was younger, I was like, ah, and then I was like in a shell, and then I had a my mouth, my teeth were like really messed up, I guess. And I I feel like there was a connection there with like confidence. And then it just kind of ebbed and flowed. And then I, when I hit my early twenties when my depression came, I think my confidence obviously was like not there, but I was still doing things and functioning as if I was, but I was like holding myself back. Like there's more, there's still more for me to pull out into the world, you know? Mm -hmm. It's been a thing like for a while and I've seen it shift and change and grow and I have moments where I'm like, yeah, look at me. Listen, this is what I got to say. One of my biggest challenges when it comes to confidence is speaking my truth, like using my voice. I have a lot to say, but I don't always say it. I have a lot of writing sitting on my computer and I'm still slowly like letting them go, you know? So it's an interesting thing because they say that a lot of people who do healing work, and I was told this in a reading before that like in a past life, I was like put down and ridiculed for having the truth or like the medicine and I've been feeling like I'm that's what I'm working through actually in this last month so there's all the layers but totally I'm like I won't die actually if I speak the truth if I start you know one of my concerns about speaking truth to this work as well is just the medical industrial complex and the monstrosity that it is and the all the money that's connected to it you know you hear stories about people who are saying some of these truths and then they disappear, you know? So it's like a real concern, yeah. So I just, I feel like just being careful, you know, doing it in a finessed way. But I've had moments where, for example, I wanted to share something online and I'm like shaking. And I'm like, wait, what is happening? Like, I'm not in danger. (laughs) Nobody's going to hurt me if I do this, you know? And I do it and it's the most freeing thing. And then I feel, I feel more confident, you know? Mm -hmm. But- I think one of the things that's important with that is the difference between internal versus external validation. And then the the other side is that most people don't really care.
1: <laughs> Everybody's too busy <laughs> freaking out about themselves exactly. to care about art and
0: then, stuff. And then people spend like, you know, 10 seconds and then they go yeah. back to like watching TV or whatever they're doing. Like people are not fixated. And so I, I actually laugh sometimes at myself. I'm just like, yeah, so... That's I know. What,
1: yeah. <laughs> the more that I am I'm in my little world feeling like something is the most intense thing in the world and somebody else isn't even thinking about it. They're not.
0: Nobody, nobody cares. They're all dealing with their shit. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. So being a person's really complicated and yeah. hard. There's but so many new. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's the thing. And I always I always tell people because people say, Oh, you look so confident. And I've had I know people who do things online or get on a stage or, and so many of these people will talk about what their process is and how they actually felt maybe right before doing it. You know, you can do all the work in the world all these years and still have moments of insecurity and you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in doubt and like, but I think that that's beautiful is what makes us human. And like when we push through it, those are moments of growth and to be celebrated. So I, you know, I shared something a couple of weeks ago and I was so proud of myself. I was like, what yay! Was it? Just some writing connected to my work. Yeah, That's one of my biggest obstacles now. <laughs> like just putting myself out there with my work. So much has been like well, word of doing mouth. It now. And yeah. <laughs> you're on this podcast. Yeah. And this is great. He's full. I don't feel any like, I'm not you're, shaking. It's because so. of your affirmation.
1: Your <laughs> <Yeah>. affirmation works. <laughs> so what's your... What are you most proud of? And like, what's your favorite part of your life right now?
0: Okay. The second part is the flexibility that I have with my time. <laughs> I'm so happy that it's not dictated by someone else. And it takes a lot of work, you know? And yeah. this actually is, is um I have more agency over my time, but it's also like a very time consuming thing to have your own business. Mm-hmm. The thing I'm most proud of, is that what you asked me? Yeah. Oh my god! Like ever in life, or like with yeah, first thing that comes to mind. You know what I used to say? What? A lot of children have like called me their best friends, and I used to always be like, "I'm." That's like makes me so proud. (laughs) I'm actually really proud of my program too. Like I feel really grateful to be doing it.
1: What is your greatest lesson on spirituality? What do you think happens when we die?
0: Oh, I think we expand into like more of ourselves, like our spirits. This is the thing about the human experience. It's only one part of who we are. Like it's only one part, you know, like the third dimension and it's very dense. And like, I think one of the goals when you're going through like an ascension process, ascending to like higher realms and like operating from your higher self while here. It's all possible, but it's like, we get the information of like, oh, when you leave your body, then you'll go and be more and more. But it's like, we can, we can do that here, right? Like we can do that while we're here. It's what they say, like heaven on earth, like you're yeah. experiencing nirvana like right now. But I don't, yeah, I used to be so terrified of death when I was younger. And now I'm just like, oh, it just seems so cool because I've had people pass on in my life personally and I could literally feel their spirits like grow, and I could feel connected to them more sometimes when than when they were here. I really feel like we would go on and we sometimes we come back and sometimes we don't. <laughs> but this is not the end. I think that's one of the bigger messages that I know that like and my work allows me to tap into that realm a lot. And so I'm just like, oh, okay. So I get, you know, like there's moments where you're like, oh I wow, we're really like, like nothing matters. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Nothing matters and everything matters. Exactly. That's what I say all the time. Nothing matters, everything matters. But there's just so much like heaviness sometimes. And like this experience can be really heavy. There's a lot of like really crazy stuff happening. and But I feel like I float sometimes. Like I'm really here. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gone, you know? Okay, this is a
1: grounding question. What's your the best thing you've eaten in the last week?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did I eat? Oh, actually my friend, I was in, 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 let's say Ethiopia. She's Ethiopian. I was in Virginia this last week and my friend made this pasta sauce that like took me back to my childhood. So Ethiopians were not colonized by Italy, but there was an occupation. So if you go to Ethiopia, there's pasta. It's Ethiopian food and then pasta is like all over. Like Ethiopian food, like in an Ethiopian restaurant with the, I love Ethiopian. Yeah, Ethiopian food <laughs> is like, It's own You know Entity So I'm saying If you go to Ethiopia You'll see that Obviously everywhere But But then pasta And the sauce That people make Like It's I can't even explain it So like (laughs) My friend made this sauce The other day And I was like This is taking me back And it was so good Like is it It a traditional Tomato sauce But special It's a simple Uh It doesn't have a whole lot Of stuff in it It's like the tomatoes And the tomato juice it's like fresh, yeah. you know, but. Um, delicious.
1: What's your favorite food of all time? Like last meal?
0: Ethiopian, yeah. Yeah. And I can so make good. it now and I'm so proud. Uh, I'm proud of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I
1: would proud. like to come over. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I can. That you sounds should. lovely. I would love that.
0: I was so intimidated to make it for so long. And I think when I was 33 was the first time I started cooking it. And now I'm just like, so Do you proud cook often? of myself. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. That's so great. It's a part of my self-care. <laughs> Cooking. Okay, so this is just a time to
1: recommend art that you love. So favorite book, TV show, movie, music, film, all of those things. Some of your favorites mm-hmm. just that you want to recommend to people.
0: My Well, two of my favorite books are Of Water and the Spirit by Mali Somé. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I recommend it to a lot of people. And The God of Small Things by Arundhati Roy. <laughs> which I feel like... Have you read that? No. Have you heard of it? No. I <gasps> heard of either. Oh, oh. Yeah. Adding to my list. Mali Domasome is from Burkina Faso. Okay. And Arundhati Roy is from India. And they're both just like... I had like experiences reading them both. <laughs> yeah. The Four Agreements is actually a good book too. Yeah. It's a quick read. And a yeah. Read I remember that. having... I used to have a list of favorite books, and I'm like, yeah. that was on there. But what was the other one? TV
1: show? TV shows, films, music. Um, Just recommending
0: things. TV show, Friends. So good. I love that show. It's so weird, but it makes me laugh. I don't watch TV, so I'm like remembering what else that I used to like. Any movies know.
1: that stand out that you've loved? or
0: Yeah, Eternal Sunshine of the oh, Spotless so Mind. Good. I think
1: about that movie it- odd amount and people recommend it often
0: on this podcast yeah really yeah. it's so good i don't why can't i think of movies now and what about music what i really like to? movies from other parts of the world mm. and i i can't like the whale rider or yeah, you know there's yeah. so many that i can't even remember oh and the new spider-man is pretty fantastic oh really yeah, I seen <laughs> it's it. a little yeah. the kid the spider-man is from brooklyn oh It's like cool. a little black kid from brooklyn and it's just like It just warmed my heart. I don't know if I would say it's my favorite, but it's the most recently, like, the one that I love. Music. Music.
1: Like a song, artist, or? Anything. Anything that you want to recommend that you like and you think other people would like?
0: Mm. I don't know. It's okay. (laughs) I like music from, like, everywhere, so I'm like... Who would I even say? Yeah, that's okay if you can't think of anything. Favorites either. are hard for me sometimes because yeah. I have like tastes from like that's everywhere. Great. That's great. Okay, favorite places in New York. Prospect Park. I love Prospect Park. It makes me so happy. I like far Rockaway Beach 106. <laughs> Obviously, it's like the places with nature. I like areas of uh I just like Flatbush a lot. It reminds me of the Caribbean. I don't know if I have like an exact place. Yeah. But I really like that area. Dumbo is nice, like under the Manhattan Bridge. Yeah. That area by the water.
1: Yeah. Lots of tourists taking photos.
0: (laughs) I know. But there's like the part... I like the part where you can sit where the ducks are by the water and just like eat your lunch in the sun.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. What's your favorite part of New York? Do you have a a favorite? Uh, Yeah. I like... I love this neighborhood
1: because I is kind of like my first intro to New York, mm. so I, I think I'll always love this neighborhood. This is the village. Yeah, this I like village. the village. Yeah. yeah, I like it over here. Yeah, I don't know. I I like any any of the parks mm-hmm. being near the water. Yeah, anywhere it's the same
0: thing. Yeah, <laughs> parks and water. Totally. Where can you find nature in New yeah. York City? It's a game. Yeah. Oh, also upstate, all the little towns upstate: yeah, Beacon, oh, so Kingston, great. Newport. I can't even think of all of them, but they're waterfalls. Yeah, I need to spend
1: more time upstate. It's every time I've gone, it's been beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty intense. We should take a field trip. Together. Yeah. I love going up there <laughs> and then Same. driving up along the Hudson, seeing it's the water beautiful. and the trees. Oh, I know. It's I amazing. Know.
1: Okay. So the name of this podcast is Let It Out. So did I squeeze you for all your juice? <laughs> is there anything else that you wish that I would have asked you that you never get to talk about or that you wanted to say?
0: I think something I've been, I touched a little bit on the age thing because yeah. I know sometimes I know that it's a thing that different people struggle with in terms of like wanting things to happen at a certain time mm. by a certain time and like I guess I would just I guess just share that like we all have our unique paths and like it's never too late you know what I mean like it's not too late if you want to like write that book or whatever it is start an organization or start volunteering or learn how to play the guitar Cause I hear that sometimes. And like I said, I feel like the programming collective programming sometimes tries to permeate into my mind and I'm like, get out of here. Yeah. So it's like, while we're here, like we can do whatever we want, you know? So like, if people are like, I want to do a podcast yeah. and they're like 49, they could do a podcast. Yeah. Right. So I've been yeah. thinking
1: about that a lot lately. Like I'm never going to be a prodigy, you know, I'm never going to, well, that's it's, yeah,
0: it's too late it's, for something. <laughs> yeah. But it's like,
1: there are so many people that I respect who hit their success or really hit their stride on the other half of 40. Exactly. You know, and yeah. we hear so often in our culture about people who did things really young mm. and the, you know, the Tavi Gevinsons and the right. AOCs and the people who are so young and so yeah. successful and that's wonderful and great. But there's also so many people who didn't hit their stride until much later in, in life. And so I think examples. I need to focus on those those people right now because it makes me feel
0: better yeah how old are you 29 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah you have so much there's so much time I mean we don't know what our journey will be but like you know the idea is like while we're here I always tell people do you know who Toni Morrison is yeah the singer no the she's a writer yes a black writer yeah wait who am I thinking (laughs) of Never mind. Go on. <laughs> anyway, she's a really famous black writer and her first book wasn't published till she was 40. And wow. she's like legend, you know, like legendary writer. So like, I, I, sometimes I give those examples and remind myself. I'm like, yeah. I mean, like motherhood for me is still something I really am connected to. And I'm hoping, you know, so it's not like I have like 40 years for that, but. Yeah, it's still possible, you know. So I'm like, there's time. I can still do this and that, and like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really glad glad you said that.
1: I think that's really important that we talked about, and something I haven't really talked about on this podcast much. So
0: oh, motherhood. No, or just the later. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's really important. I'm glad you said that.
0: There's just this weird pressure. I mean, I just have like, there's like a rebel in me in general, but I'm just like. There's like certain rules that are like not like real. Yeah. Or like, you know what I'm saying? Or people are like, Yeah, Yeah. that's the the best word, right? Yeah. It's like by this age you have to do this and that. First of all, you don't have to do it at all. Yeah. Unless you like want to. And then you can do it on your time, you know? So Yeah. Well,
1: since this is called let it out, we always end letting out a deep breath together. So ready? Yes. Okay, so inhale.
0: Let it out. (sighs) nice always feels a little better thank you so much for doing this (laughs) thank
1: you okay that was my episode with Salome I really enjoyed her I hope you did too keep in touch with her on the internet let me know that you're still listening all the way to the end but first likes and learns the segment of the show where I share with you what I've been liking and what I've been learning in the last week Let's start with what I've been liking. I have been listening to a lot of podcasts, and I thought I would tell you some that I enjoyed this week. Been listening to a lot of Mark Maron recently, and I liked his episode with Jane Fonda. If you haven't already watched Jane Fonda's documentary on HBO, highly suggest it. I'm not sure if I've talked about this on the podcast recently or not, but I watched it on a plane and enjoyed every last second of it. It's based on four acts of her life, which are all based on relationships she had with different men that she married. And the last act is her relationship with herself. And she just seems like such a fascinating woman. On her episode of Marin's podcast, she talks about her eating disorder and addiction in a really interesting way. I'm going to read a quote that I wrote down about addiction that I thought was really interesting. And she talks about her, specifically her addiction to disordered eating. So this is what she says, If you are an active addict of any kind, you cannot have a true relationship of any kind. Why? Because you can't show up totally because you have this addiction, which always becomes the most important thing. And essentially, you have to hide the addiction so you're lying and being inauthentic. Anyway, she goes into this much more. She also talks about how each of us have like a little bowl inside of us where we need to keep it full all the time. And some of us fill it with food or booze or people, but you have to learn to fill it with spirit, with something bigger than us. And that's where she is now in her life. And it was really cool to see that arc and see how it's taken her this long to become, or it's taken her, you know, ups and downs, but her whole life to become herself. And she just seems someone who is so embodied as himself. And it's, Really inspiring, and I just I've always liked her. I also really liked Lisa Kudrow on Mark Marin. The last like three minutes of that episode were particularly potent. She talks about body image quite a bit on that episode as well, about what it was like to be on Friends, where she just is someone in a bigger body than the other two stars, and what that was like for her. And it was a it was a fascinating, funny episode. Just. Because Lisa Kudrow is fascinating and funny. I enjoyed that. I also really loved the episode of the Call Your Girlfriend podcast from, I think, this week with Nora, who's the host of Terrible Thanks for Asking, which is another really great podcast. But she talks about her anxiety in making things and how she says when you're a woman who makes a lot of things and then puts them out into the world, it comes with a certain amount of anxiety and comparison and when your identity is tied up in it and how you make money is tied up in it, it's interesting and it's complicated. And I think they talked about that in a really articulate, interesting way. And I, I liked that episode quite a bit. So there are a few things I've been listening to this week. And now for what I have been learning, I had a great conversation with my friend and friend of the podcast, Sasha Jones, Stigley Holistics, NYC. For all of your, if any of you are getting married and need an officiant, Sasha is your person. She's doing so many weddings right now. But we had dinner on her roof the other night, and we were talking about plastic and we were talking about the world. And Sasha is someone who I look up to so much in so many different ways. She's a potter and herbalist and the most creative person I know and also the most eco-friendly person I know. She has a deep love for the planet and lives a zero-waste lifestyle and has been really transformative for me I don't even like that word, but it's the only word that I can think of right now to explain what being around her has done for me when I think about my consumption and my relationship to the environment. We're in a really dire time and I have just made a few simple changes that I didn't really think much of, but I kind of can't believe I wasn't doing this for so long. So Sasha started giving me a ten cup that I take with me on planes mostly because I was I was going to Paris and she was like take this ten cup and take some cut up lemons and drink water the whole way there so you don't get constipated because sometimes it's hard for me to poop when I travel. I hope that's not too TMI. I feel very cozy with you guys. Anyway, so I did that, which is a great tip, and then I kept my tin cup. So now I always use it when I'm out getting a coffee or getting a tea or getting a chai latte or something. And I kind of can't believe I didn't always carry my own cup. And that's just one simple thing that you can do. And so what Sasha's doing this week actually is a plastic free week, a challenge. She writes this beautiful newsletter called Juicy Tuesdays and you should all sign up but she has us all trying to use no plastic for a week and it's really hard you have to be really mindful actually it's not really hard but you have to be really considerate because you know people try to give you plastic all day long you know if you don't bring your own bag or you don't try like today I actually bought something and they gave me the plastic bag and I started to walk out and I just like didn't even pay attention I was like wait I don't need this and I don't want this. And I took it out of the plastic bag and went and gave the plastic bag back. So maybe we could continue this conversation and I'll have Sasha on to discuss it more. But for this week, maybe you do plastic free, or maybe you just bring your own cup to the coffee shop one day. Maybe you do it every day. But see if there's one thing that you can do this week that could be useful to the environment and to the world that we live in. Sasha found this photo of our neighborhood, the East Village, from, I think, a really old photo. I forget when it was from. And the one thing that stood out to her, the biggest thing that stood out to her, was that the trash can was empty. And now, if you live in New York City, or it's probably like this everywhere, unfortunately, the trash cans are just overflowing, like, everywhere. And it blows onto the street, and it's just insane. So I just want to be more mindful of my consumption. And I think it would be cool if we could all do that together, because the more, the merrier. And I also, I did this thing where we picked up trash and jogged together. And I want to do that. I did it in Brooklyn, and I want to do it in my neighborhood this summer and get a group of us together so let me know if you guys are in new york if you would be down to do that it'd be a fun way to hang out and do something good for the planet and i hope you guys have a great week i will talk to you next week the emoji for this week's episode is the recycle symbol the arrows you know i think that'll be a good one all right i'll talk to you guys next week again if you're getting married Sasha Jones she's your girl Uh, She's the best And if you want to receive The show notes of these Episodes right to your inbox Which is a really good idea You know what I mean because You might be driving or walking And you don't want to jot this stuff down You don't have to You can get visuals and a beautiful Newsletter that we send So give me your email And then I can email you whenever I want Just kidding. I'm just going to email you the show notes. That's all. But I love you. If this episode was useful to you or entertaining to you or made you feel less alone in any way, please share it with a friend and subscribe on iTunes. By subscribing on your iTelephone or on Spotify or however you listen, it really helps out the show. And also supporting the sponsors. Vertruvi really is a luxury essential oil brand that I love. Use the code let it out for 20% off and support the other sponsors on the podcast. It really does help the show a lot. And if you haven't left a review, it'd be really cool if you could leave a review. Thank you guys so much for listening. I have a lot of cool, interesting things coming out this summer on July 17th. I'll be at the Hoxton hotel doing an event that is yoga and journaling and talking about dating with my friend and two-time podcast guest, Clara. You guys might remember her. Go back and listen to her episodes if you haven't already. And hopefully I'll see you guys on July 17th, if not before. Oh, and one more thing, I'm going on a cruise next year. It's really far away, it's in April of 2020. So weird, 2020, wow. Anyway, with Blueprint, the wonderful network that I got to make my class, my show about journaling, which if you would like to check out, feel free. We'll put the link in here. But we're doing a, a cruise and I'm teaching travel journaling and talking about creativity on this cruise around the Caribbean. And it would be so cool if you guys came and there was a big group of us on this cruise. I think it'd be a great time. A lot of my friends and fellow hosts of shows on Blueprints Network are all going to be on this cruise with us. And I've never been on a cruise. Have you guys? What's it like? I'm not sure. I hope I don't get seasick. But I took the ferry. There's another learn or like for the month I've been taking the ferry around New York between Brooklyn and Manhattan instead of the subway and it is a delight so if I can do the ferry hopefully I can do this cruise and if you're in New York or visiting New York highly recommend the ferry it's very easy to use and lovely experience thank you guys again for listening and I will talk to you next week or on the Social media. I'm at Katie D'Ale-Bow on Instagram and Twitter. Talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.